Welcome to the Crypt of Horrors, piggies! Ha I want to say my Freddy voice has been better, but that's the first time I actually remember recording it. Welcome back to the Crypt of Horrors, friends. I am your host, Wolf Dan, and yes, you read that title correctly. We are here to talk about Freddy's Nightmares, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the series. A series that many diehard Freddy fans might not even know about. I was fortunate enough to grow up during its first television run. This series launched during the heyday of Freddy fandom, somewhere between 1988's Dream Master and 1989's Dream Child. The show was created by producers Gil Adler and Al Katz, who would later go on to save the series Tales from the Crypt. Yes, save. That's right, at one point, HBO's most popular series, Tales from the Crypt, was actually in danger of being cancelled. Freddy's Nightmares, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the series, is an American horror anthology television series which aired in syndication from October 1988 until March of 1990. It's a spinoff from the Nightmare on Elm Street film series. Each episode is introduced by Freddy Krueger, also played by Robert England in this series. But out of 44 episodes spanning over the space of two seasons, Freddy only appeared as the main antagonist in eight episodes which is what turned a lot of people off from the show. Sadly, despite having the privilege of getting to watch it during its initial run, I too am guilty. However, if die-hard Freddy fans like myself could have just thought outside the box, we could have realized what kind of treasure we had. The series was kicked off with a crazy awesome pilot episode titled No More Mr. Nice Guy, which was directed by Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Toby Hooper. It gives us something of a backstory, starting with the trial against Freddy Krueger and his child murders, in which he was acquitted on a technicality just to go out and commit his crimes again, and it actually shows him getting torched by the parents. The series was produced by Bob Shea of New Line Television, who also were the producers of the film series, and Stone Television. It was originally distributed by Lorimar Telepictures, afterwards Warner Brothers. Television would assume syndication rights after acquiring Lorimar Telepictures in 1989. Each 44-minute episode contained two 22-minute episodes, which were considered A and B episodes, uh, which at times would be continuations of each other, and at other times not so much. Because the show would be carried in different areas and had different time slots and some time slots could only do the half hour and other time slots could do the whole hour, they built it to where if they could only do a half hour show, they had a story, or if they could do a full hour, then they had two stories together, and they also were able to tie some future stories together to make one feature film if they chose to. If that confuses you, fear not. Here shortly... I'm going to turn you on to another awesome podcast that goes into detail about it. 
simply here to do an overview of the entire series itself and to put a spotlight on it so that people who might listen to my show might not know about it and get turned on to it. But if you would be interested in an episode-by-episode breakdown of the series, which I would personally recommend, go check out Welcome to Primetime, a Freddy's Nightmares podcast, which is hosted by a couple friends of mine, Enrique Couto, who is a local film director, and his buddy David DeNoyer. They even have interviews with some of the show's creators. This series also launched the careers of uh, what would become some big Hollywood names. Uh, some first-time film directors would cut their teeth on this show. Um, you know, 30-minute projects and that, they'd cut their teeth getting in the director's chair and learning how to do the job, and also you'd see uh, actors getting their start on the show. Uh, it was just a great place for them to hone their craft. Freddy fans out there who grew up watching the show and ended up not caring for it because of how little Freddy was actually in it, keep in mind if you actually watch the show and pay attention to the stories, you get a lot of life lessons out of it. And also, now looking back, you can see that Freddy kind of played the role of the Crypt Keeper in a way. Even in the episodes in which Freddy was not a main character in, he still hosted it, opening the show, and would pop up occasionally throughout the show just to pop off with some off-color jokes. But if you'd pay attention, you'd still see great storylines. But it turns out that the lack of Freddy in the episodes is due to New Line's rules of not wanting too much Freddy exposure throughout the series. They were only allowed a limited number of Freddy-centric episodes. Unfortunately, there is no official release of the collection uh, of the series. At one time, you could find VHS of a couple episodes here and there, or you could find dare I say, bootlegs at horror conventions. Uh, but when that's the only option that they give you, it is what it is. Within the last year or two, it was noticed that the TV app Tubi actually had the series on their app, but was recently pulled. Don't know why, but it was pulled. Um, you can still find it elsewhere. Uh, Daily Motion carries it. It's just not the greatest quality. Hopefully one day they do decide to officially release it, but until then, there are ways to obtain it out there if you just do a little searching. I managed to get my hands on an incredible Blu-ray quality copy that is loaded with extra features. We're going to take a quick break to hear from some of our spooky sponsors. Welcome back to a howling good time on the Crypt of Horrors with your host, Wolf Dan. Now, if memory serves, I remember this show coming on kind of late during the week, so my dad would actually record the show for me so I could watch it the next day. I thought, oh, this is great, you know, I get to watch the backstory of the 80s horror icon Freddy and see the trial and him getting off to a, due to a technicality and the parents rallying together and, you know, torching him and all that. And here's the funny part, uh, something happened, uh, to our service, I guess, uh, during the part where he is being burned. Um, all of a sudden, it was almost as if though the tape got chewed, but it wasn't the tape. It was the broadcast. So they only aired this episode a couple times, 
And the one time I got to see it for years uh, was just really snowy where he was being burned by the parents. I know, I know, I'm demented, wanting to watch a guy get burned. But I would have to say, I mean, I grew up during the era of the Leatherface, Jason, Michael Myers, but honestly, if I had to pick a favorite horror icon, it's probably Freddy Krueger. The slashers of the 80s were like our universal monsters, and as the Wolfman was my favorite universal monster... Freddy Krueger was probably my favorite horror icon of the 80s. I even had a talking Freddy Krueger doll growing up. Unfortunately, growing older and making some decisions I now regret, um, I let go of that doll some years back, and I'm hoping to get it again someday. Similarly, I made some decisions I now regret concerning my McFarlane Movie Maniacs figures. Let's just say it kind of involved a religious purification during my 20s and 30s. While I am still religious, and I'm not going to get preachy here, but I learned that I can have my cake and eat it too. Let's just say I don't personally believe there's anything sinful about enjoying a horror movie. Cinema is art. And that's about all I got to say about that. Moving on, I don't think there was a more marketable 80s slasher series than A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, sure, you know, Friday the 13th had a video game as well as Nightmare on Elm Street did, but Freddy was everywhere. Um, He was hosting the MTV music videos and all kinds of things. He was just a pop culture icon. Um, So naturally, let's make a series. But... Unlike Friday the 13th, at least this series did have Freddy Krueger in it. It may not have been as much as fans wanted, but he was in it. And that's not to knock Friday the 13th the series. It's just when that was released, Friday the 13th fans like myself was expecting a series surrounding Jason Voorhees. We got something totally different. Which, looking back at that series now, was a great series but I will do that at a later date. For 80s slashers, Freddy Krueger was absolutely a cash cow. Um, I mean, there was a a Nintendo game based off the series. Um, There was going to be another one that apparently never had a release. The one that was released, you can play one to four teenagers, uh, basically based on the Dream Warriors uh, and a couple of the other movies where you could go through house to house and even the cemetery and the uh, junkyard and collect bones and take it to the furnace to kill him. Uh, But as teenagers, you're fighting Freddy. In the other version of the game, you were supposed to be Freddy trying to track down the teenagers before they collected your bones. But I don't think that ever got officially released, which is unfortunate because that would have been neat to play too. Honestly, looking back, it is unfortunate that this series only went two seasons. I would have loved to have seen more, but I also think maybe it had just run its course. Uh, But also from this series, Gil and Al went on to do Tales from the Crypt, which if you look at the Freddy's Nightmare series and go look at the Tales from the Crypt series, you will see a lot of similarities, especially from season three of Tales from the Crypt on. 
There are also extended versions of some of the episodes, such as Safe Sex, uh, which were not aired on TV, that you can only get in certain collections. I luckily got my hands on one of them. But the fact is, this series was just highly underrated, unfortunately. Um, we just didn't appreciate what we had when we had it. Looking back, especially revisiting the series with the quality of the copy I have, I feel like the pilot episode is like the perfect setup, the perfect backstory for Freddy, detailing the child abductions, the trial, and the parents coming together and torching him, and I just feel like it's the perfect backstory. And it didn't hurt being directed by Toby Hooper, who you also should know from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, who just set the perfect atmosphere and the perfect tone for it. Honestly, going back to that, just the first episode is creepy as all get out. I actually liked how they kind of kept Freddy's face kind of shadowed, covered by shadow throughout until he was actually torched. Uh, it, to me, it just added creep factor to it. Also, no doubt, the writers and Robert had so much fun doing this show. Uh, if you think Freddy got ridiculous throughout the film series, you gotta see this series. Um, yeah, there definitely are episodes of just straight horror, but there's a lot of camp too, a lot of Freddy humor. Robert really... I didn't realize he could be this comedic. I mean, sure, you, you saw the camp throughout the film series and all that, but he goes crazy in some of these episodes. So, without doing an episode-by-episode episode breakdown, which someone else has already done better, uh, that's pretty much all I got. I really just wanted to put a spotlight on the series. But if you are interested in something like that, totally, I I recommend you check out Welcome to Primetime, a Freddy's Nightmares podcast. But uh, seek this series out. Check it out. Uh, it is on Daily Motion. Try to find other ways to. Um, hopefully at some point they decide to officially release it with their own special features. It'd be great. I know I love the copy I have. But um, please, seek this series out. I can't recommend it enough. It, it should, if you love Freddy, you will love this series. Yes, it's camp. Yes, it's not a high-budget Hollywood thing. But it's still a fun series all the same. And... Robert playing Freddy, at least they had Robert playing Freddy. They didn't hire someone else to, you know, like they did with the remake. Robert's Freddy. He, he's great in it. I know this episode's kind of short, but I didn't really want to ramble on and on. But if you would like to contact me, you can reach me at WolfDan78 on Instagram or WolfDan on Facebook. Both of those accounts are set to private, so just send me a message request. I try to avoid scammers. Or if you'd like to send me an email, uh, you can send me an email at monstersquadforever at yahoo.com. That is monstersquad, the number forever at yahoo.com. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs>